Hey Saints, welcome back. Hope you guys had an amazing Thanksgiving break. Today we have one of my good brothers, Joshua J. Kim. Berkeley grad and finance powerhouse, y'all are in for a treat. So let's get it. Hey Saints, welcome back. This is episode five of the Saints of San Francisco podcast where we dive deeper into work, faith, and fulfillment. And today's guest, um, I mean, needs no introduction, but for people who don't know him, I mean, there's going to be many for the listeners, is Josh J. Kim. So I met this guy uh, back in 2016, 2017, right, Josh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Scary looking dude. He looked like he was like a game banger and he had this serious look on his face and I was like so intimidated. But once oh I got gosh. to know him through a community group, um, solid guy, lots of depth, incredibly intelligent and, um, you know, a lot of things that he has to say really comes from the heart and it's very intentional. So, uh, Josh, um, I'm actually not going to do a short intro for you because I'm going to mess it up. So can you give a little, uh, self-introduction? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for, thanks for having me on, on your podcast, Isaac. I think it's really awesome. Um, what you're doing and, you know, really supportive of, of your mission here. Um, as Isaac said, this is Josh Kim. Uh, I'm, I work in the finance industry. Um, I currently work at a private equity firm in New York called Carlisle Group. Um, grew up in uh, Southern California, born and raised, um, but we went out to Korea uh, when I was younger and lived there for about six years. So, you know, got, you know, got to taste um, growing up in Korea as as a kid. And so when I actually came back, um, you know, it was, even though I was born here, um, I'm more of like a, you know, 1.5 generation, you know, fully, uh, fully uh, fluent in Korean, yeah. as well as English and um got to really taste both cultures growing up. Um, went to school in the Bay Area, um, worked out there in San Francisco for a couple of years where I met Isaac as well, and moved out to New York um, about three years ago. And actually, I've actually been back home in Southern California since March due to the pandemic. Um, so it's been good to uh, reconnect with family. Um, and yeah, this is my first time being home long term in about in about a decade. So it's wow. been uh, it's been good. Well, awesome, man. I mean, let's forget the icebreaker question because I feel like there's a lot of questions to ask um, from that from that intro. Oh, unless you want to do it. No, you're you're the boss, man. Oh man, fine, fine, fine. I'm I'm going to ask this question because I'm very <laughs> curious about what you're going to say. And then we'll move forward because I think there's a lot of gems in your intro that we could dive a little bit deeper into. Um, but the icebreaker question is, if you could instantly become an expert in one thing, what would it be other than golf? <laughs> Man, I could always get better at golf. But, <laughs> um, honestly, I would want like, 
like a it's almost like a hard drive of like of the bible like inserted into my head so that i could you know access it anytime for or access scripture for any situation for any you know sort of you know thing that i go through in life um yeah because you know i look at my mom and she's you know she knows the bible she reads the bible you know from cover to cover several times a year and and she's just got tremendous knowledge of of scripture and you know my father's an engineer and my sister's a product manager i'm a finance dude um my mom may not have you know sort of these you know industry knowledge or a mm. career but yeah. i think she's got the most important knowledge that we christians um you know ought to have living living on this earth so i think you know it doesn't come as easy as you know inserting a chip into your brain but you know it comes with a lot of you know just discipline and you know reading over time but i think you know if i can get that as a freebie instantly i would i would take that over over many things dang that's a that's a really good answer maybe maybe you should ask your mom for tips and tricks and also pastor benjamin <laughs> yeah just consistency man like reading every day but it's just so hard it's yeah you know and i have to admit like it's you know I, so our family does a uh, a reading program every every year going oh. from you know front to you know front of the cover to the back and my mom would every morning she would send us like the the scripture for the for the day and to our you know family you know mm. chat group and you know it's hard <laughs> it's, it's always easier in in january february you know march and then you know slowly as the year goes like you know the consistency um declines but you know it's a, it's a goal until you know until you know for the rest of our lives yeah so now that you're in person um at home does she just just like plop the bible and be like this is the scripture that you're reading today a part of the scripture you're reading today or no she also you know she'll still um you know mess message it in our group you know just so that we could do it on our own time but oh you know every night she'll you know she'll give a quick shout out to to the house you know, hey remember to you know to do the reading uh, but we're not very good at it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm sure it's tough too with like work, remote work and um you, you know you want to spend time with some folks and you know you're getting right. cabin fever as well so yeah yeah and we could we could all get better with scripture but th- that's a pretty good answer um but I mean you did mention first time uh moving back uh home um uh, after you know covid blew up back in March how's that been for you the past um you know half a year or more than half a year just being at home and uh being with your family um in Irvine yeah it's been really good um you know i'm thankful to say uh i have a really good strong relationship with my parents and my my sister as well the four of us um you know it's definitely an adjustment because you know 10 years is a long time and I kind of left to go to college as a kid and then came back um you know as a as a self-sufficient um young adult 
And so, you know, being in the same roof, under under the same roof with your parents is definitely an adjustment. And, you know, for them too, right? Like we all have our own schedules. Um, we're all busy with work. At the same time, we all have to, you know, um, you know, learn to ex- coexist with one another again, because, you know, I would only visit uh, for the major holidays and for yeah. birthdays and whatnot over the past 10 years. But yeah, it's been really awesome, man. I, I, I think, you know, I, I've had the chance to go back to New York throughout, you know, this time, especially when things got a little bit better, you know, in, in the fall. Yeah. Um, but I chose to stay um, because, you know, I, I, I don't think, you know, hopefully COVID, you know, blows over and, you know, we'll return back to, you know, our normal lives soon. But I think, you know, we're not going to get a get a time like this um you know, again, where we can just be at home with our parents, um, especially, you know, hopefully in a couple of years as we, you know, you know, relationships happen as we get married and have, have our own families. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I thought it was just a special time to be with my parents and just even little things like going to Costco with them, you know, every Saturday morning or, you know, spending time in the, in the backyard um, you know, helping my dad with home and home improvements. I think these little things have just really brought me a lot of joy. Mm. Um, and just, yeah, just seeing my parents do everyday, everyday things, you know, every, every, everyday life things. Um, I think it's just been a really good time for me. And, um, so yeah, man, I, I wouldn't trade, you know, this time for, you know, anything else with my parents and, um, you know, I'm really appreciative of, of, of this opportunity that I got to be home. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I think, I think, especially when we're kids and we're like starting up college and stuff, we don't really appreciate that. Like our parents, you know, did a lot for us, especially being like 1.5 gen Asian Americans and, you know, <clears throat> being immigrants and, coming into this country for bigger dreams for their kids and like not knowing the language and somehow just, you know, bootstrapping everything and things work. And then, you know, the son goes to Berkeley and then ends up in private equity. It's just like, Holy crap. I mean, and then you kind of forget that like your parents are not superhuman beings. They're mortal. Yeah. Yeah. Finite amount of time to, to spend uh, with you. So I think, you know, like, I'm not saying that COVID was ever a good thing or quarantine was something from God, but I would say that, you know, um, it's brought families closer and kind of put our core values back on the map in terms of what, what's right. important in life. And I think, I think you've always been a principled guy. I think when I met you back in 2016, 2017, like I'll just say, oh, it's just some dude, and then like we would have community group, and every time you talk, you'd have something like very insightful and like not surface level. It was very deep to say. So, do you, do you want to kind of maybe we should start with that since it's a Saints of San Francisco podcast, and you know uh, we met through San Francisco, and I, I think if you weren't there at that specific time at the same church, then this would have never happened, you know. Um, and I'm. So, so glad to kind of have you as a, as a good friend. Um, so 
Um, how how'd you end up in San Francisco? Um, and 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 uh, yeah, we'll start with that. How'd you end up in San Francisco? Yeah, so I went to school at Berkeley. Um, at UC Berkeley, graduated in 2015, and you know, throughout my college years, I was just so enamored by New York City and you know, wanting to work and work on Wall Street, and, <laughs> you know, in a finance position. And you know, while I did, you know, while God did open up the doors for me for a summer internship in New York, mm-hmm. my junior year, um, for my full time job. Uh, the doors just were not opening to New York and God led me to uh, a job um, in San Francisco at JP Morgan. And I mean, it was even crazy how I got that job. So, you know, I think a lot of people might look at my, you know, resume or my LinkedIn and, you know, just see um, sort of successive, um, you know, years of, uh, success or progression. Um, but you know, if you, if you dig deep back into the story of how everything started, you know, it, it was really tough from the beginning and I didn't have, um, I didn't get, I had no full-time job graduating. And so a week before graduating in 2015, I got an internship for the summer, um, after graduating. And, you know, that's a tough thing, right? Because you spend so much, so much of your time, you're during your final years interviewing. And, you know, I had something like, you know, 50 plus interviews, um, you know, that summer. And the best thing I could come up with was an internship trial post-graduation. Yeah. So that was at a, that was at a small investment bank in San Francisco called Stiefel. And so I worked my butt off. Um, that was only, you know, it was do or die, right? So it's, you know, you had no, I had no other option, you know, try your best there, try to prove yourself for the next three months, even as a graduate and somehow, you know, convince those folks to, to get you a full-time job. Yeah. And so, so I did that in San Francisco immediately after graduating, man, I, I remember just, you know, long hours and, you know, really trying to make everything perfect. And there's a lot of pressure, right? Because if this doesn't work out, then I don't know what else is out there for me. Um, so yeah, that was, I remember that was one of the hardest um, times for me, just working really hard. And so towards the end of that summer, so this is now entering into August of 2015. Um, so I did get a, get an offer from them to join full-time immediately mm. and then at the same time uh, there was a spot that opened up at jp morgan for their analyst program um, for my year my graduating year um, so what happens is you know a lot of a lot of a lot of students will do a summer internship during their junior year that would be sort of their trial period and their full-time analyst class post-graduation will be filled, um, filled from that, from that junior internship class. So there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a ton of spots available for full-time recruiting, which is why I had such a tough time. And somehow 
right as my internship at Stiefel was ending and converting that into a full-time job, a spot opened up um, because somebody decided to drop out last minute and go to grad school. And so literally, I quickly somehow got in there, interviewed, you know, the Lord opened that door. I got the offer Friday night and then the following Monday was the start of training in New York. Wow. And so I booked, you know, my own flight ticket, arrived to the headquarters of JP Morgan in New York on a Monday. And that's, you know, that's how it started. Um, And so, yeah, so that was my first full-time job, you know, that started in August of 2015 based in San Francisco. Um, So yeah, I guess that's how, uh, that's how my career started in San Francisco. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, you mentioned the small investment bank uh, called Stiefel, you said? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so usually people, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I feel like people that go to Berkeley, that's, you know, Berkeley is known to be one of the best schools globally. But I feel like it's definitely a feeder school for, you know, Asian people that want to, going to a good school and usually they're talented people where of course they have to work hard, but you know, you, they were talented enough um, to kind of let that carry them. And then once they get to Berkeley, it's kind of like, Oh shoot, everyone's talented. Everyone's industrious. Everyone works hard, but even their people in your position would have just like given up and been like, yo, I, went to Berkeley for four years. I did everything right. I got good grades. And now like, I didn't end up with a full-time job. And, you know, I have to work really hard at the small investment bank when I wanted to work at JP Morgan or, you know, wherever, Goldman. Um, but, you know, I feel like people would have given up, especially those that relied on their talent to get there. Um, so what, what was it for you? Where, where did that come from, the spirit to... Uh, continue forward uh, and 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 be in a position in your mind where you're like, it's do or die. Well, what's that special thing for you? Where does that come from? Yeah, I think, you know, I really think it's the grace of God. And there were so many times where I just, even, um, you know, even in high school, middle school, I was always following the stock markets and I always had a, a passion for the, the finance sector and wanted to try a career in, 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 in the industry. And, you know, there were a couple of times throughout my collegiate years where I felt like that, that calling from God was confirmed mm. calling to go into, into the finance field. And man, just after so many interviews, getting to final rounds and super days and failing all of them. And, you're not seeing the doors open, right? Mm. Until three months after graduating. Yeah. Um, there are so many times where I questioned, God, is this what you really want me to do? And if it is, then why aren't the doors opening? Mm. Um, why are, you know, the people all around me, both Christian and non-Christian, why are they getting jobs so easily? Um, but... I thought you, you know, this is me talking to God. I thought you had called me into this space. Aren't you supposed to provide? And I think, you know, 
and this is something that I I realized over the years, the last five six years that I've been working. Finance is such a tough field um, that comes with a lot of temptations, and um, you know it's known to have, you know, historically just a tough culture yeah. as an industry, and it's it's a place where people, you know, fight to survive based on their own strength. Yeah, and it's you know, um, you know, it, it's a uh, you know, everything is, you are, you know, scored based on what you can produce, yeah. how many deals you can bring in, how many clients you could, you know, do deals for. And everything is just about self and production. And I think mm. very early on, I think God just had to teach me, like, you can go into this industry, but you're not going to survive on this industry based you know, out of your own strength and out of your own will. Wow. But it's going to be, you know, me who sustains your path. It's going to be me that opens the doors. And it's going to be me that gets you through your career. Wow. And so I think from, you know, very early on, even during my internship days, I think God had to teach me that and completely break me down Yeah. until I was at the bottom. I think that's where, that's where I was, right? I mean, I, you know, my pride, you know, was totally broken. Um, not having it, not having a full time job, graduating, um, going to a small bank, and just really, you know, relying on God's timing and God's because I, I, I had no idea that, you know, some some guy was gonna drop out a week before training starts and go to grad school. And that there's going to be a spot at JP Morgan that I could, I could just swoop in like, wow, the weekend yeah. before training starts, right? Like I, yeah. I had, I didn't see that coming. I had no way of predicting that. So I think it was just, you know, God teaching me to rely on him, his timing, his plans for me. And because it's such a tough industry um, that not a ton of Christians around me um, have gone into I think he just wanted to teach me that early on and just really set a strong foundation for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, man. So so I guess your bedrock during that low period of time was ironically God because you realized you couldn't do this on your own strength. And even if you were qualified on paper, it's like, you know, God's message to you of you, you must drop your pride and your ego and it's only through me that these opportunities open and once you kind of was in the valley you were in the valley and then you know you're being faithful suddenly some dude decides to drop out and you're like well i'm gonna take a spot <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's awesome man so so you're talking about finance um you worked at jp morgan uh you worked at uh deutsche and now carlisle so you know a lot of folks all they know about private equity and investment banking is like how terrible you guys are. Um, you know, <laughs> there's an episode in the Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj uh, talking about LBOs and how, yep. how terrible that is. So for, for our listeners out there, could you describe, I mean, to, to the extent that you can, um, you know, I, I guess like one, why finance you mentioned, you know, you were into the stock markets since you were younger. So why finance? And then two, 
you know, could you describe a little bit about finance and what you do? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start with the, with the second question first. And so, um, the Carlisle group is, um, it's one of the largest private equity firms in the world. And so the business model is we are principal investors where we raise capital from, uh, from other investors around the world who we call limited partners. And so they give us a pool of money. So we pull up that capital and go out and find companies or assets um, to invest in and provide capital for. This is a, a little bit different from investment banking where I started my career at JP Morgan. At an investment bank, um, you're primarily in a, a client servicing role. So you help companies raise capital um, either through the debt or equity capital markets or you help companies buy and sell each other through mergers and acquisitions. Yep. So uh, you call you call the investment bank side the sell side, and then you call the principal investing side the buy side, which is um, Carlisle and many other investment firms um, out mm. there. So for me in particular, uh, what my team does and what I've always focused on throughout my career was um, the infrastructure space. So uh, within finance firms, either banking or buy side private equity firms, most people focus on a sector. So, you know, as folks are very, very familiar with in, in, in San Francisco, there's a lot of tech bankers and te tech private equity um, or VC investors out there. Yeah. What I do is I focus on real assets and infrastructure. So that's things like renewable energy, um, airports, uh, water and waste treatment, um, digital infrastructure, which can include anything from data centers, cell towers, and fiber networks. Mm. So what we like to classify things as, and we like to classify infrastructure as anything that helps um, the economy function um, and anything that uh, people need, critical services that people need and economies need to, to thrive. Yeah. And so, you know, we like to say like, we're the feel good, you know, portion of finance because, <laughs> you know, we finance, um, you know, airports or bridges or, you know, data center where, um, you know, data is stored and transmitted. So, um, that, that's been a particular focus, um, industry focus for me. And, um, yeah, I think there's a ton of good work that we could be done. And especially one thing that's a huge, uh, you know, thematic, um, you know, area for us is the transition to green energy. So traditionally we've, you know, the world has relied on, um, coal, uh, coal fired, um, power generation or natural gas or, um, just, you know, nuclear or various uh, uh, carbon emitting greenhouse um, gas generating sources of electricity. And a huge focus right now all around the world is transitioning to renewable power, so solar, um, wind, battery storage, hydro. That's yeah. a big theme for us. Um, you know, another big theme is the digital infrastructure space. You know, this work from home environment, right? We all need bandwidth. 
Yeah. We all need connectivity. And to facilitate that, you need to build out cell towers. You need to lay out, you know, fiber lines. You know, as we move into the 5G space, you know, you need physical equipment to facilitate all of that. So yeah. we're sort of trying to invest in the backbone of, of all of that good stuff. Wow. Um, yeah, and in terms of getting into finance, I don't know, but there's, at some point, it's just, I just, I don't know, like, to give you, to give you a short anecdote, you know, in uh, senior year, I was in my computer science class, and that's the one class that, in high school, where we could have computers in front of us, right? We have to code. <laughs> and I always had my stock portfolio, like my fake uh, stock portfolio up on the side and looking at stock charts and you know graphs and whatever and my computer science teacher got so upset because i i was a repeat <laughs> offender you know <laughs> that he you know he just phoned my dad one day and, your son is always looking at stock charts and not coding <laughs> so that's when i knew that i couldn't be a software engineer i had to go into wall street um but yeah, I mean, outside of that, I think I think money really touches every aspect of of the world, mm. right? whether it's nonprofit, hospitals, small businesses, large corporations, churches, mission trips. You can mm. have all these great ideas, and you can even have the people lined up to go execute on these ideas. Yeah, but the reality is, you need capital behind all all of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to be a part of that, and I think early on, is you know, you know, my faith was weaker, and I was still, um, you know, very immature, and I think a lot of that was for selfish reasons, right? Like, you know, I wanted it was more from a pride standpoint, like I wanted to be a part of that controlling the you know controlling the flow of money and controlling you know whether things happen or not right but i think as time you know as time went on and i spent more years in the industry and you know my faith developed as well um i think more so my perspective is because it's such an important part of the world and society. Um, for me, I have a heart for believers and Christians to have a part in the flow of capital. Yeah. Right. So as capital flows throughout the world, you know, I would love to see more believers and more people um, that are for the gospel facilitate that flow of capital. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, you know, my, my vision continues to um, go towards just, um, yeah, more and more believers in, in finance facilitating, you know, capital flows would be, would be one of my, one of my dreams, you know, in mm. this life. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So could you talk a little bit more about the intersectionality of finance, maybe your work? and um christianity and the gospel um it's specifically i think you know this is a question that i ask to people in um ambitious positions and in positions where it requires a lot of um grit 
and resilience and time and you know a lot of positions that people all over the world you know are coveting um so it takes a lot to be there um but but you know you mentioned that one of the things that kept you going back in the day when you just graduated college was because you had big faith in the lord to kind of provide those breakthroughs um do you feel like being christian currently in your position at carlisle is a detractor um from you performing at your peak or do you think it's um something that drives you and that sets you apart from the rest of the people in your group yeah this is this is a timely question isaac because i just had my year-end performance review on friday wow. days ago and yep um so i joined carlisle as part of a new group as the only junior resource for our team back in September of 2019. Mm-hmm. So I was hired to help the build out of of this new infrastructure group um, along with my with my uh, with my fund heads. And so I was the only junior resource for this past year and I think one of the things so you know I think personally I'm a you know in front of large crowds I, i think when i'm with people or my close friends i'm more um easily outspoken or more comfortable and more talkative mm-hmm. but in group settings business settings you know i get pretty shy and i don't talk that often and you know i try to being a christian i try to be um you know more respectful of others yeah um you know listen more talk less I always try to keep that mentality yeah. during meetings um, and whenever I interact with people and and I also try to spend a lot of time um so so I'm on the investment team which is a revenue generating uh function and then to help the investment team there's a number of you know what you can call operations roles um a lot of people in the industry you know call the middle office back office and i i personally never like to use i think that's pretty derogatory I, or there's been a history of um just using that term as a derogatory oh he's back office like you know he doesn't matter and yeah i've i try to you know go out of my way or you know when asked for help from those teams i try to always you know keep in mind that you know they're they're people too right yeah they're just yeah. as valuable as you are and in fact without them you're you can't properly do your own job right, right. because you can go out and make the investments but to actually facilitate them and to actually keep those investments ongoing you need all your operations and support folks throughout the yeah. life of the investment so yeah. i was i was I was honestly shocked when during my review when when my guys said this is the first thing they said you know Josh when you know the first thing that when we when we think of you when we see your name is you know you have integrity you're kind to people um you spend time with you know folks our partners in the operations space um your work ethic um you know you don't complain 
all these positive things and and they said don't ever change that mm. like a lot of people try to fake that those are qualities that you can't fake it's either in you or is not in you yeah and they said that you know verbatim wow. i'm quoting them and these are my the partners of of our you know the heads of my group and man that was like and those are traits that are it's not because i'm good but it's because christ is in me right and that's wow. been developed yeah. in me um through my walk with god and those are traits that are not inherent or innate in me and i felt like that this friday was one of the first times that sort of my my faith or the way i carry my you know conduct was validated yep. my christian conduct was recognized and validated by a secular workplace and man that man that gave me so much just encouragement and empowerment mm. and and i even said to them like guys like you know being asian being you know coming here or i guess returning back to the states as a fourth grader having to learn english again um being soft spoken like i told him like i these are things that i worry about because wall street is a place where you know traditionally has been dominated by white males it's been dominated mm. by people that are you know go getters and um eat what you kill type of mentality and yeah just a tough environment and they just said be you don't ever change that mm. because the world is coming around and these are the things that the world values mm. um and yeah man it's uh it was a uh, it was some you know feeling that i got on friday like never never have i been sort of directly, you know, empowered from the workplace, you know, in the last 5 years that I've worked. So that was wow. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, first of all, congratulations to you and I'm sure you had the biggest dopamine/oxytocin hit of your <laughs> life. <laughs> just 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 flood you in that moment. So I I think to sum that up, I think you know, a lot of people think that in Wall Street or finance, you know, it's like a doggy dog world and you have to be this like crazy dude that steps over people, but in actuality what makes you the market differentiator and kind of what's trending, well not trending, but the truth is being revealed is that you need to love people and have an integrity and work hard and not be a fake. And and that's what sets you apart from from the rest of the competition. So so it all boils down to Christianity or or God has helped you you know uh elevate yourself um in in your position in finance so i guess word on the street is for our listeners who are trying to get into finance or early in finance one don't be fake and two read the bible and love the lord and and you'll get all of these benefits that come um uh in time um that's awesome so let's kind of like dig a little bit deeper on how you built this foundation um with god because it seems like there were a lot of boons um in your life because you chose to believe and you have this relationship with god and you picked up all of these qualities and characteristics that are 
not natural, right? Um, for you or for me or for any um, mortal that comes into this world, but we receive this um, through, through our maker. So could you explain your history um, uh, in terms of growing up Christian and becoming what you call a true Christian as opposed to a nominal Christian? Yeah, so I, I, I grew up in a Christian household, fourth generation um, from my dad's side. So, you know, always been around church and, you know, like in high school or up until high school, it was kind of, I always had faith in God and believed he was, he was real. But, you know, I don't think I had a, like a, or I guess I didn't, I didn't really understand what it meant to like truly walk with the Lord. Right. And I think it wasn't until college when, you know, first couple of years I was just doing my own thing, trying different things out in college and um, going my own ways where, you know, it was another one of those kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty thick headed person. So, you know, I need to just get to my lowest lowest of the lows until some breakthrough happens <laughs> i feel like that's just a constant theme in my life man just, <laughs> you know god breaks me down god breaks down my pride i'm i'm like doing things my own way and then i just i don't think like a gentle you know whisper in my in my ear will turn me around it's like mm. you know i need to get smacked in the face <laughs> i'm not saying you know god is you know, God smacked me in the face, but <laughs> just knowing my personality is just, I need a big moment in my life. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, I was led to that point, um, you know, sometime sophomore year of college where, you know, I wasn't living the life that, you know, I was meant to live mm. um, as a Christian and, you know, tried the things of the world um, in college and, um, you know, God gently, Hold me after me being smacked in the face by, yeah. by the air, <laughs> by the Holy Spirit, <laughs> that, you know, he's got a different plan for me, right? Mm. And he's, he's got a call on my life to, to be a son, be a, be a follower of him, yeah. to devote my life to him, to not live the way I want to, but mm. to live the way. The, the the path that he has set out for me. So, so that's when my when my walk really began. Sometime um, the early years of my my college days, and yeah, man, it's it's been tough. You know, it's especially being in finance, making the type of money that one can make in in this sector. Yeah. Um. You know, there there are many times where it's easier to um, it's easier to live the way the world does right mm, yeah and, you know sometimes it might be more fun too uh, to be 100% honest and, sure but there's nothing more fulfilling than you know being where god wants you to be and you know living your life um you know, with God and you know, trying to live a life pleasing unto the Lord. And I think the world, 
you know, you can have everything in this world, but you'll you'll never find that satisfaction. Yeah. I yeah. think you'll just no matter how much money or status or position or or material goods or friends or relationships, it's um, yeah, you're never gonna you're always gonna be wanting something more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's always that like you know, push and pull. Right. But I think, you know, time and time, I think it always comes back to, you know, your, your best right where God has you. And that's, you're going to be most fulfilled in that mm-hmm. spot. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So you, man, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of questions I want to ask you from, from, from that answer, but man, I, I guess in the interest of time, um, the question I wanted to ask you was, you know, what what are your current values and principles on God, friendships, uh, and romantic relationships? We talked a little bit about work, but you know, how how do you think about these values and principles, and how are you executing on them currently? So it's work, well, work's done. So God, friendships, and romantic relationships. How does that all fit in in your perspective? Yeah, man, that's, these are good questions, man. Um, To be honest, the relationship part has been lacking in my life, especially during COVID and, um, you know, a couple of years uh, or or the years leading up to this. I think just, um, yeah, being in, working on Wall Street during my my late 20s my early years as i start in the industry it's tough man to to find time to um you know carry on relationships or even with friends and family and yeah i think it's just been work 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 for yeah. me, which is just not good it's not good and and, and something that i long for is a, is a healthy um community uh at a church and you know that's been tough because you know obviously we're we're in a covid setting um, yeah but i'm 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 really thankful to have just a handful of you know friends like you and and others you know really around the country that i can share my life with and really be honest with and you know have have tough discussions with mm. You know, and especially in this in this uh, contentious election cycle, I think tough <laughs> for many many Christians. Yeah, and I've had some tough conversations with some of my closest friends about differences in beliefs, and uh, but I think at the end of the day, what brings us together is is our bond in Christ. Yeah, um, that's good. And at the end of the day, we can be real with one another. And still, you know, be in, you know, brotherhood because of our shared faith in Christ. And that will supersede any sort of cultural, political differences and issues. Mm. And I think that's what's kept, you know, some of my longstanding relationships, no matter no matter where we are in life, um, in different locations yeah. or different stages of our careers or our relationship status 
you know, I think that bond, you know, between Christ, it always comes back to, you know, hey, we just butted heads, you know, over this issue for the last hour. Mm. But I love you as a brother in Christ, and I will always love you as a brother or sister in Christ, and you know, we'll mm. always be family. So, yeah, I know as the years go along, I, they 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 say like statistically, I don't know, I don't know what it. I, I'm I may be butchering this, but you know, you make your lifelong friends in your twenties, or I guess I'm just trying to say, I guess it gets it gets harder to make close friends over the years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really think the commonality in in Christ makes these friendships like easier, even you know, even as you get older. Um, yeah. Because through Christ, you can. I mean, you're, the most important you share you and somebody else no matter what age you are and you meet them for the first time, like you, mm. you share the most important belief in your life. And I think that's supposed to help, you know, bring people together easily. But yeah, that's just, that's what I'm relying on, man. Um, mm. These days. And that's what I, you know, cause I, I just don't have time to like go out every day and hang out with people and make, or, you know, invest in new friendships. Um, yeah, yeah. The ones that I've had, I think they've stayed really rock solid because of our our common faith. Mm, that's a great answer. I feel like a lot of people who want to hustle and work eighty to hundred hours a week and you know achieve their wildest dreams and their goals, at least for for their careers, um, usually end up with this issue of loneliness. And I think loneliness is what totally. something a lot of people go through, even if you're not working 80 to 200 hours, but you add that and the, the drive to be the best at your craft. And then suddenly you're like, what, you know, like what, what do I have in my life? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. so, but it, it's just amazing that like, as a Christian, you have this network, not only that you've built, but like once you've connected with other Christians, you kind of have that robust circle because you know that like you guys are connected, not just through, a secular friendship, but also right. something that's supernatural that transcends beyond us. And it's, it's a connection, a web between us and the Lord. And I think, you know, all of us are trying to grow his kingdom in certain ways. And with that, you're able to work these long hours, do what you do, make that money, but also still feel that connection to, to a certain extent. Um, oh, that's awesome. Totally. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's a, that's a really good thing for, Christians and maybe even non-Christians just kind of exploring the space to, to see that there are so many benefits to being Christian indirectly that comes if you're a true believer. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, well, awesome. Is there any uh, last minute things that you want to say to our listeners, uh, Josh, before we uh, close this episode off? No, I mean, I, this has been great. It's my, it's my first podcast experience. And I just want to say to all the listeners of Saints of SF, you know, Isaac is the man. I think he's, <laughs> he's, he's going to be a pioneer, you know, with, uh, you know, with this podcast. And Isaac was just sharing with me, you know, his vision and his heart behind this podcast and just, you know, making you know, this available to Christians and non-Christians, 
um, that are working around the world. So I think this is going to be, you know, I hope this gets huge and really benefits you know, many believers and non-believers out there and uh, really encourage uh, folks in different industries and in different phases of life um, out there all around the world. So, yeah. you know, really appreciate, you know, you doing this, Isaac. Um, it's an honor to be your friend. It's an honor to come on your show. Just remember me, man, when you, <laughs> when, uh, when the Isaac, Isaac Hong experience dethrones Joe Rogan experience in about two years. Just oh, man. Me. <laughs> I'm coming for a man $200 million licensing agreement with Spotify or the next Spotify. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's uh, go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your kind words, Josh. And obviously, you know, there were a lot more questions that I wanted to ask you, but in the interest of time, and I'm sure, you know, Saints, you guys, you know, had a fun time too, but it, it's, it's pretty long. So we'll have you on next time, Josh, in a year's time if and when this podcast still exists, but thank you so much for your time. And uh, Saints, we're tuning out on episode five of the podcast. So see you guys next week. Hey Saints, if you've tuned in for all 53 minutes, I love you. We'll catch you next week Saturday with another amazing guest, so stay tuned. Happy holidays and stay safe.